Uh, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We honor you, Lord. We thank you that you have the final say, Lord. We thank you that you are sovereign and that you will speak to us, Father. I pray that every ear that is here will, will be able to hear what you are saying, Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you will change our hearts, change our thinking, Lord. You are the only one that can take what you give us, Father, and, and use it to convert our minds, convert our hearts, Lord. So I pray that you will touch in each touch each and every one here. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy New Year. Man, it feels like 2018 came and went, like, really quickly. Like, wasn't it around this time last year we were going to Indonesia for, oh, it just feels like last month, really. But awesome. I, I really feel like this year is going to be an incredible year. I keep thinking of how last year seemed to be this turnaround year, and I think this year is just going to be we're just, it's just going to, it's like a year of propelling. I feel like a lot of things are just going to really take off for um, not just us individually, but even as a church, you know, what was going on in Ambon and various missions um, that we're a part of and even DMS. And I'm just really, let's just have a great expectation of what God is going to do for this year. It's going to be really incredible. Um, I want to just quickly, because I don't want to be up here long, so I'm going to give you the short version of what God has kind of been dealing with me about even <clears throat> this week. He's just highlighted something in my life, and I want to talk about the word commitment, um, because it is a word that I think is pretty unpopular, you know, especially in the world we live in now, and just the disarray of how you know, our world is in, you know, the confusion it's in, and, you know, they're reaching out, they're calling out, and everything that's happening in our world is just crazy. Um, we see, especially this generation, everyone wants everything right now, and I think the word commitment, you know, it's amazing, like, even when you see kids on Christmas, they get something, they love it, but then a week, two weeks later, it's like, oh, you know, the next thing, and I think in, in our world, you know, it's, it's like that. You know, commitment is not something that um, people really run to. But we can't, you know, as I was thinking about this week, we can't really expect the world to really know and really understand what commitment is about. I think as a church and as Christians, we have to show that. Uh, and I think really the immaturity we see in the world should be expected, but especially this year, I really feel like it's really time up for Christians to start or stop being immature about things and really grow up. You know, we have to grow up. I think the, the grace even for being immature when you know better um, is really it feels like it's, it's up. It feels like we have to kind of step up into being mature people so that the world would know who Christ is and, and, and run to Jesus. So, yeah, I want to I wanna focus on commitment. I want to focus. It's a couple things. It's a principle that God really highlighted 
in the scripture for me because of what he was kind of speaking to me personally about. And I never really saw it this way, but it's a principle and it is also the power of commitment that I kind of want to draw out in the scripture that I'm going to read. So if we can go to Philippians chapter 3, um, it is a you know common passage of scripture, I think, if you've been a Christian uh, for any time and you've read the epistles of Paul, uh, you, you would know this scripture. You would have at least read it, you know, and, and be a little bit familiar with it. But as much as I've read this passage, as much as I've read this scripture, I never quite saw the passion and saw how Paul was emphasizing what he was trying to stress to the people that he was writing to. Um, so I want to break this down in three different parts, and I'm going to read it as we go. Uh, so Philippians chapter 3, verse, starting at verse 3. So just stick with me, and we'll kind of break this down and see what God is saying. And, and just to set this up so you know where I'm coming from, in this place, Paul, who was beginning back in Acts, I think it's around the chapter, 16th chapter, Paul began to do his mission work. Um, and I believe the church in Philippi was one of the first churches that Paul planted. So Paul was trying to figure out where he wanted to go, and it was actually the Holy Spirit that was holding him back and going in different places. So Paul had a vision, and in that vision, he saw a man that was in Macedonia telling him to come and help us. So where that was was, you know, once he got there, it was the church of Philippi that he that he started. And all he did was go and just preach the gospel. He, you know, when we think about church planning, when we think about mission, when we think about these things, it's, it's nothing hard about it. We just go and we just be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And that's what Paul was doing. He began to just speak and preach the gospel. And then we had the church of the Philippians. So when he's writing this, he's writing to these people because he's fathered them. It, this is this is people that he's actually, you know, done the work as far as going into this place and giving his life to them, no matter what the cost was. So that's, that's the basis of where he's coming from. There's a few different things in here, but I want to focus on chapter 3, because in this chapter, he starts to <clears throat> really deal with the Judaizers, those people that were actually trying to get the Christians who were Gentiles, the Philippians were Gentiles. He was trying to get, or they, these people that Paul is talking about who are Jews, were trying to convert the Christians by actually telling them they also needed to be circumcised. They needed to, you know, um, follow the law of Moses. All of these Judaism uh, traditions that God had actually brought them out of because Christ fulfilled the law Paul was trying to tell them, this is not what you need to do. This is actually something that I'm wanting you to get away from because all you need to know is Christ. All you need to know is and have faith is in him. Whereas these people that were attacking or trying to convert uh, the Philippians were actually doing it from a place of the flesh. They were trying to get them to convert to Judaism. 
and telling them this is the only way you can be a Christian. So when Paul starts to speak what I'm going to read here, this is where he's coming from. This is what the scripture says. He says, for we are the circumcision. This is Paul writing this. For we are the circumcision who worship God by the spirit, or who worship by the spirit of God, and glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So I want to stop right there really quick. Paul's basically giving his resume. Now we're talking about commitment. So when you read that, I started because God was showing me something in this. Paul's saying, we are the circumcision. Now, I come from the Jewish background. I am a Jew. I know all about being circumcised. I know all about the law of Moses. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you my rundown when it comes to being a Jew, when it comes to following the law. He's telling him, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. So basically, whoever's coming amongst you guys, Philippians, whoever's coming to try to get you to convert to Judaism and these people that are saying and living by the law, let me tell you right now, I'm better than them. I'm stronger than them. You put all of the Hebrews in the room, I'm telling you without a doubt, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As persecuting the church, I'm the one that did it. I didn't talk about it. I didn't just think of ideas. I had the zeal. I actually went and persecuted the church. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, Benjamin was a small tribe, but out of Benjamin came your first king, who was Saul. And they were known to be warriors. So he's saying, as touching the law, I'm a Pharisee. You know, he's giving all of these things because he's trying to get them to understand, look, if, you, if you're thinking these people have anything to tell you, if you're thinking that these Jews who are trying to convert you is actually something in it, let me first start off by saying, I'm, bitter, I'm bigger, I'm better, I'm stronger. I have more to say about this than they do. My resume is far more extensive because I put and invested all of my time into it. I was committed. How, how incredible is this? So you would think, okay, if you're saying this, then what's the point? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 7, he says, but whatever I gained or whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish 
in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. How powerful is that? How incredible is that? So the principle that God was showing me and even speaking to me about, first, to gain Christ's image, to gain the image of Christ, you have to be willing to lose your self-image. You have to be willing to let it go. When there is a gain, there always has to be a loss that comes before that. Even when you read Matthew 16, 24, when Jesus tells his disciples, he says, if anyone comes after me, you have to deny yourself. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. There's always a loss before there's a gain when we're talking about commitment to Christ. And the reason I read that even for myself, you know, just naturally speaking, but it, it, it's so powerful to me that, you know, I was, you know, with Anna, and I talked to Anna about this, but, you know, during the holidays, you often reflect about your own family, you know, because that's, that's the whole point of the holidays. Like, you want to be with your family and all these things, and, you know, you start to think about even those that may have lost relatives or people close to him around this time, and you pray for him, and you don't want anyone to be alone. And just spending the holidays with my wife's family, my in-laws, was beautiful. It was great. And it just, it makes me think about my family and how they're in the States, and you miss that. And, you know, this particular um, holiday, I saw a video of my grandfather who passed back in 2009, and, you know, my brother had posted it up on Facebook, so I looked at it, and it would just kind of hit home, because it was like, man, this was a great, you know, great man, and, you know, loved his children, loved his grandchildren, and you just, I just had that moment of missing them, and it just brought back how, you know, the dynamics and the way I would relate to my family has really changed, because now I'm here and not in the States, you know, and not living amongst them. Um, and I just started thinking, it's like, man, why? And, and, you know, it's because I made a commitment to Anna. I made a commitment to be with her. And not knowing how everything would happen, but my commitment, it, it, it showed me something. It showed me that, yeah, I, I haven't lost my family. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, you know over-spiritualizing it or anything like that, but I've lost the way I've related to them because the dynamics have changed. And when you make a commitment, and as I made my commitment to her, and we both did it out of faith, and knowing where God was going to take us, we weren't really sure if we were going to live here or live there or what was going to happen. But seeing what has happened and understanding that we've done this in faith, it's like, yeah, I've like Paul says here, he says, I've suffered the loss. And when, when God showed me that, it's like, wait a minute. This, this actually hurt you, Paul. You, you invested so much into understanding and knowing the law 
But now you've suffered the loss of that. You've suffered that. that. That's actually gone. You can't grab a hold to that and actually use it because God is no longer in it. He is actually a, a fulfilled the law. So everything that you've invested in, everything that you've put your life work or, or how you've poured so much into it, you've actually suffered the loss. But what Paul says is, I counted what I've suffered actually counted as nothing compared to what I've now become to know, which is knowing Christ. So even in my situation, no, I haven't suffered the loss of my family. Like, I, they're still here. As a matter of fact, my sister is planning on coming next week. So it's great. But I have suffered in the way of relating and being able to go and visit and being able to just drop in and being able to you know, pick up the phone at any time because of the time changes. So there has been a shift. However, when I look at what I've committed to, oh man, I, that, I would do it again because of what comes with the commitment. So let's see what comes with the commitment that Paul is actually saying. He says in the 10th verse that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. And watch this wording right here. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 15th verse, let those of you, let those of us who are mature think this way. So this is, this is the part that is really exciting. This is actually the power of the commitment. When you commit to what God has given you in faith, you're going to always see fruit. Paul is explaining this because he's seeing the fruit in his own life. If anything, it is fruitful when you say, because Christ has made me his own. You can't say that unless you have committed unless you have put away what you thought was important, unless you have given up your self-image and you have now made Christ your image, you can now say the fruit in that is that Christ has made me his own. And when you see fruit, you just follow it because fruit is going to give you more fruit. Does fruit not give you more fruit? It's incredible because then Paul says, I have forgotten those things which are behind. I'm actually pressing for the things which are before. I'm going after Christ. I haven't already attained it. I haven't already gotten there. But now that I know that I can say that Christ has made me his own, that's enough for me to say, look, those things that are behind me are nothing 
I'm reaching forward to the things that are before. And he's making this point so passionately, I believe, and I feel because of the situation that's happening in Philippi. He's trying to let them know, look, don't get caught up in the thing that God has already done away with. Don't get caught up in what people are trying to tell you to bring you under their superiority, to bring you under a law that only carries bondage. No, don't get caught up in that. Understand, I've made a commitment. I was the one that carried the law to its fullest extent. And I've gotten away from that. I've suffered that loss because what I have now is far greater. I am walking with Christ. It is not hard. It is not difficult. If you follow what I'm saying, you will understand that stuff is already gone. I put all of that behind me. I'm now reaching forward to what God has for me. I've committed because I see more fruit in this than I did when I was walking in my flesh. I'm fruitful and I see more fruit and I'm going to continue to see more fruit. This is how he's being so passionate because it, it when, when you look at the flesh and when you see what he even says in the, the previous verses that I read, how the flesh gives me identity to self-righteousness, but it's the faith in Christ that gives me identity to God's righteousness. When Paul says that, and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through the faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. See, it's not about what we think is good. And I, and I know when, you know, we have our moments of understanding or, or trying to make things work. I know when it comes to commitment and when it comes, even in my life, you know, I see some of the things that, you know, it's easy to kind of think about ourselves. And it's easy to kind of think about, oh, man, what about me? You know, what about this and what about that? And, you know, where are my rights and where, where is, is, you know, the things that I deserve? And even when we read the scripture, what I got from this is that if I make a commitment to serve his people, God is already going to take care of my needs. I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to think about you know, the things that I'm missing out on because I've made a commitment to his people. Just as Paul is saying, he's made a commitment to them. He's showing them this is the fruit. I'm reaching forward to the things that are before me. I'm letting everything go that is behind because the fruit is in the faith that I have in Christ. So we need to learn how to go where the fruit is. And that last part of the scripture when he says, let those who are mature think this way. Well, which way is that? That is, whatever you think you were gaining when it comes to your flesh, whatever you think you deserve, it's time to grow up and, and just let that go. Because it won't produce the fruit that God wants to produce in your life. When I look at my marriage, when I look at what I have, which is so fruitful, 
I'm like, God, yeah, I let that go. And yeah, it's, it's hurt, but I've gained more fruit in being where I am now than where I was before. See, the fruitfulness I can look at for me is our children, because the doctors even told Anna, you know, the probability of even her having one was incredibly low. So she'll be lucky to have one. And she's now holding our third, who's three months. But if I didn't make the commitment and follow where God was taking me in faith because I didn't want to lose the dynamics or the relationship I had, I wouldn't be able to sit here and say, I have fruit that I can look at and be so thankful. Not only having an incredible wife, but the children we have, the place that we live in, the relationships that we've made, the country that we're in. Now, why wouldn't I want to keep following the fruit? Because fruit will produce more fruit. It's about making the principle that I'm highlighting here is that, yes, when you gain something out of the commitment, there is a loss that happens, and it's okay to express that. What's not okay is to become bitter about it. What's not okay is to try to reach back and want the things that God has actually taken you from. Some parts of it, yes. Yeah, some, you know, obviously in this case and in other cases, it can be a sin issue when God brings you out of things. You know, yeah, you testify about it, but don't let the enemy deceive you in thinking, oh, it was better over here. It's not. It's not. But everything is not a sin issue. It can be issues that God has just said, you know, give it up. Are you willing to walk the road that he gives you and commit to it and not worry about what was there or if the dynamics are going to change. Not, not be so tight in how we hold things, but maybe be a little bit looser in the way we go about life so that God will lead us into the things that he has for us. If I can get the musicians to come back up. So just to simplify what I'm saying or what I want us to get is that our commitment to God has to be first and foremost. And we have to commit, as we've read here, in faith. And that's in Christ Jesus. When it comes to our flesh, and I, I didn't read it, but when it comes to our flesh, all, all I'm saying and, and all Paul is saying here is that, look, whatever achievements I had, when God is done with that, and he was, he was in Judaism, but it was to bring relationship to God. After Jesus came, that was already, it was all fulfilled. It was all done. There was no reason to go back into that. When it comes to our flesh, a lot of it it's basically our self-will. It's, it's our own desires. It's what we want to do, and really it's the way we want to do it. It's not that we shouldn't have dreams. It's not that we shouldn't have goals. But what is the focus? 
See, when you read that passage, to sum that passage up in one word, Paul's focus was people. That's why he wrote it. That's why he went where he went. That's why when you read any of his epistles, he's always saying, I pray for you always. I'm always in prayer for you guys. I'm always thankful. That's why he's so passionate in getting these people to understand you only need Jesus because that's how his life changed. And that's what he wanted to give to people. It's got to be about people. Just like Andrew's up here, your heart doesn't have to be in Indonesia. Your heart doesn't have to be in Rwanda. Your heart can be here. It can be local. But when we have an opportunity to serve people, we're committing to that. That's what the commitment is. I have an opportunity to even, when it comes to my own relationship right in my home, to serve my wife, to serve my children. That's my commitment. You know, we see so many relationships that have gone crazy in the world. They don't really understand commitment. But it's sad to see the same ratio or even higher when it comes to the percentage of divorce in the church. And the reason for it is because we're putting our own selfish desires in front of serving people. What are we committed to? Yes, I probably understand more than a lot of people of what it means to sacrifice. But I don't put my hand up and try to dictate in that way. It's okay because I also get the fruit out of what comes when you sacrifice. And I'd rather be on this side. It's awesome to become selfless because when you're selfless, you are blessed more than what you're giving to because the blessing is in giving. So let's all, let's all just stand to our feet. I really wanted to exhort this church and strongly encourage us to really take a hold of what was talked about today really understand that if we make the commitment God has already done his part but if we step out and commit to the things that God has given us and get away from our own selfishness really whatever dreams we have whatever, whatever desires we have when I say give it up. I mean, give it to him. Give it to him. Don't let us not try to do it out of our own strength anymore. Because, look, it, it won't really work. We might see some success, but we won't see what God is really wanting to give us. But if we give it to him, not only will it fulfill our heart's desire, but it will go beyond because it will be in the context of reaching and blessing people together. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that it is not about me. It is not about what I do. It is about you speaking to your people. I thank you, Lord, that you can use anything 
and speak volumes to what you want us to hear and how you want to change us. I pray, Lord, that every area in our lives would be an area that we commit to you wholeheartedly. That we will become just as passionate as Paul was in reaching the Philippians to reach everyone in our world. Whether that is local, regional, national, or international, Lord. I pray that you will speak to our hearts and wherever that challenge is for our lives, that we give it to you and surrender to you completely. I pray grace and peace and just an incredible year of 2019 for everyone here, Lord. It will be a year of fruit, a propelling year, an amazing year that when we look in December, we will say, wow, I I didn't even see all of that happening. God, you have blown my mind. We want to have that testimony. So we just bring it all to you, Lord, and we commit. We do our job and commit to what you have given us to commit to. We commit to our homes. We commit to our families. We commit to our church. We commit to the authority that you've placed over us, and we will do it wholeheartedly, serving you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Happy New Year.